this is Gary Gary Beers, and I'll be on NXS Access All Areas with Hayden B for a good chat about NXS and my musical career. So tune on in. Access All Areas, episode 136, the podcast that dives deep into all things great about this band, doing with my compadre B and a bunch of loyal listeners and patrons and uh, Uber fans around the world. So, uh, hello, B, how are you? Episode 136, it's growing and growing and growing. Before you know, we'll be at 200. Oh, yes. Well, it's getting faster and faster and bigger and bigger and better and better. Um, yes. Hello, Hayden. How are you, mate? Look, a bit excited by this one because uh, there's only five opportunities, really speaking, where we can actually interview members of the band in excess, which is what this podcast is geared around. And today, um, we're going to sort of play things slightly out of order. This is the day where we uh, commence probably what will be our three-part uh, deep dive with Gary, Gary Beers. Uh, so much so, B, I think we might even get a chance to ask him that question later about how he got his name, but uh, very, very excited about talking to Gary in a few moments' time. Yeah, it's a, it's a happy, sad moment. Like you say, this is our last interview. Well, not it won't be our last, but it was the last of the of the band surviving band members. So it's like, oh, we've, we've done it. But there's a few people in the woodwork coming out that want to come on. So hopefully, it's uh, not the end of the excitement for in excess access. Well, hilarious. well. If I could put my tongue firmly in my cheek and say, if we do the uh, replacement singers, we might have another series. So that would be interesting if we did that. <laughs> but yes, uh, but further ado, B, just last week, we just came off the episode, uh, which we, I guess, in a way, acknowledged both Michael and Chris's both, uh, I guess, uh, birthday uh, date and also the date of Chris passing and did a little bit of a sort of a microcosm of the Michael-Chris relationship and both the good, bad and the ugly and I guess it was uh, an interesting exercise to do and it did sort of elicit some responses on our platforms, didn't it? Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, there was a lot of talk about it. Some people haven't listened yet, so get on board yeah. and go back and listen to that one. I know some of you only like listening to the interviews, but yeah, it was quite interesting. When we first started, I thought, oh, I don't know where this is going. This isn't happy times for Michael celebrating on his birthday. But actually, it was pretty interesting. 
Well, yeah, we didn't want to go do too much into uh, the Sven Gali sort of uh, investors that Michael dealt with, you know, towards the end of his life and some of the people who've played around with his estate and a lot of that stuff is documented. And to be honest, it's, yeah, I, I guess, yeah, we may explore that in a little bit later episodes, but it's not really in excess related. It's probably sort of a little bit more about Michael and some of the decisions he made post Chris, uh, uh, you know, separating those two and their management and client responsibilities. But at least it sort of got us to sort of dive deep a little bit about um, what were, in a weird way, two very ambitious men who had a probably completely different way of going about it. You know, Chris being the uh, the literal, he's the checklist, and Michael being the, the arty-farty, uh, I'll come in and absolutely apply myself, but in my own way. Mm, and I thought that you, that got me was when you said, you know, that it wasn't a naughty child, but Michael just grew from this child man-child into a man and he had his own thoughts and decisions and he did go a little bit sort of like he wasn't able yeah. to direct him how he wanted to. A bit like parenthood, isn't it, B? You've got mm. uh, two teenagers and they're all starting to uh, adopt their own thought processes so the old B influences probably uh, uh, gets tested occasionally, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's hilarious now. You know, around in the time, and you're probably the one that's talking and going, How's your day? And you're trying to get words out of them and, you know, yeah. make it. Now I don't get a word in. It's all about them. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, Okay, I'll just sit back here. And you're trying to you tell know. me you get gab fested and exceeded by your kids. That's interesting. I do. Okay. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, enough about us, but uh, I should ask, B, how was your in excess week been? Because I think you had a particularly memorable Sunday afternoon, I think it was, wasn't it, on Michael's birthday, and kudos to a little video you uploaded, B, sharing a uh, glass of wine with very keen members of a cover band that visited your sh- your shores. Is that right? Yes. The Live Baby Live Boys are from the North Coast, um, from New mm-hmm. South Wales, um, from the Gosford area, and they bloody work hard. But because it was school holidays and they've all got families, they all made a bit of a road trip with their family. So I met all the wives and the kids. At the end of pre- the performance, they actually had their children on stage, and it was just really beautiful, actually. It was really cool. It was a bit of an afternoon gig, wasn't it? It wasn't an mm. evening gig. Is that right? No, no. It's um, it's a four till seven, and... Uh, it's oh it's it's brilliant and I've seen them a couple of times throughout the year like over the last um, six years I'd say and they've got different singer now Simon hi Simon just in a mat are the guys that sort of run it but I tell you what they are tight and they were magical um just had everyone dancing yeah, I think they're slowly getting to be my favourites, actually. <laughs> well, I was about to spill the beans, okay? Sorry, Karen Peters, but uh, there's, a, there's a new Michael Sheriff in town who's uh, up there with the moves that uh, B got – look, B, B, B uh, uh, musically was seduced by the band, um, mm, I guess, yeah. with the action and things. But look, well, again, both you guitarists know. came into the into the crowd and they were playing like the bass player <laughs> and the lead guitarist as well. Wow, this was really a hot show. I mean, and he, even it, afterwards, they stop, stop singing. You can see them looking at each other and go, oh, my God, did you, we just do that? You know, it was just brilliant. I've got something from yeah. one of them actually to read out. Any interesting song choices that they play that you're like, oh, I haven't really heard that before uh, from a cover act or was it just more the mainstay songs you're familiar with? Oh, no, no. They they, they came in with um, Just Keep Walking. They play To Look yep. At You. Um, no, they, yep. they they did do a lot of deep diving on okay. their songs. Um, That's good. It wasn't too... Off the wall, it was like everybody knew what was coming next. I mean, the the, the hoey is pretty 
clued up to in excess because in excess I've played at the coughs, coughs a lot. Mm. So there's a lot of people, mm. uh, people, I have my in excess t-shirt on, kick t-shirt. Yes. So a lot of people coming over and telling, telling me stories. They were gorgeous yeah. actually. They actually even like um, paid homage to me and you. I was, <laughs> I actually hid away a little bit. I was a bit embarrassed. They actually said, why don't you come on stage and start singing? But like, yeah, yeah. maybe another time. Anyway, yeah. I'd like to read this from Justin, if I can, Hayden, sure. before we go. Sure. Okay. So Justin is the guy, sort of the leader. He's he's the Gary B is actually, and he's mm. bloody good looking. God, look, look at you, Lisa. Although Lisa's pretty co- good catch. Hello, that. ladies. Okay. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I know all my mates are going, who is he? I was like, he's my new best friend. <laughs> anyway. Live Baby Live, the In Excess Tribute Show would like to send a big, giant thank you from the heart to all of our fans who have taken the time to rock out and party with us. We are so grateful for the kind words, support and willingness you've shown to be part of our mission to keep the In Excess flame roaring bright and long into the night now and in the future so no one ever forgets the greatest Aussie underdog story ever actually happened. That once upon a time, six Aussie kids worked hard believed in themselves and became the biggest rock and roll band in the whole world. We'll never be in excess, but hopefully we can darn well close get to create the vintage sound and 80s swagger to take you back to what that special time in history would have been like. Like our Facebook page to stay up to date and we'll be rolling into a town near you next. And once again, you legends, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, guys. thank you very much. Yeah, it's great, fantastic. And look, you know, across the world, you know, we'll talk a bit about this and we have mentioned it the last couple of weeks that, you know, there's a plethora of bands throughout Australia, Europe, the UK, you know, America that are flying the flag. So always great if you can get a chance to get out to gigs and we'll announce some of those over the next few weeks. Now, be any other little sort of gossip or anything else come across your desk worthy of raising at the start before we kick on to things? A name drop again. Oh, here we go. Right, name drop. <laughs> here we go. Sorry, right. everybody. <laughs> well, it's got to be name dropping with a point, okay? It can't just because you know a lot of names. Is there uh, – <laughs> okay, because uh, that's 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 a bit self-grandiose. Okay. But, uh, yeah, anything right. relevant that yes. why you would name drop, yeah? Yes, yes. Okay. So over a year ago, we put a post out for Jack Music, which is – John, uh, John, John Farris and Kieran, do you remember? And yep. they were doing this thing called the reawakening and we put a post out and we had a lot of interaction with it. Anyway, Kieran's only just gone and found it and said, thank you for sharing and thank you for um, posting it. And I was like, no worries. And then I just started having this little conversation with Kieran Gribbins. I've asked him to come on the show, no problem. And yep. so he said, yes, he'd like to come on. And then again, just now, he's just put a post about, oh, you'll have to see, it's about, about there tied up a guy and said, okay, quick, he'll talk now because the bass player's playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> which I always thought was quite a funny joke, really. Well, he's, anyway. a, he's doing a bit of a summer festival tour in his comfy van across New South Wales uh, at the With moment. So I've seen, a, yeah. I've seen a few of the posts there. It's sort of more of a musical sort of jamboree get-together, uh, creating and writing, putting music together with, uh, I guess, sort of almost like a camp-type atmosphere. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. But they also want to do a little bit of a shout-out. We had a couple of new patrons, and we'll sort of mention the existing in a moment. But a uh, bit of a shout-out to uh, Sula's son. Uh, is Sula one of our newest patrons? 
patron to her son, uh, stepping up to the plate. For Christmas. And, uh, with a really handy Christmas donation and and, and uh, maybe a gift for his mum. Is that right? Yes, yeah, a gift for Sula. And now, now, Sula's on our pages all the time. So if you're over on Facebook, you can interact with Sula, but she's an absolute sweetheart. All of, all and of the team love her. And, hmm. and Nick Sherry, who's uh, I don't know Nick. Is that right? No, yeah. no, Nick. That, that was new to me yesterday, so that was interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just discovered us, and I sent him a, an email reply, I think, the other day, and he's sort of diving deep on a lot of the past episodes and things. So, again, really fantastic having some uh, some new uh, uh, patrons jump on board and yeah. just sacrifice that cup of coffee or two to help this band and our podcast. Yes. If you ever get um, worried about how to become a patron, because there are different methods and a lot of people do get confused. We're all getting a little bit older, aren't we, Hayden? And we need a little yes, bit of help with our technical problems. So just yes. email me. I'm really happy. And so is Danielle. You can message myself or Danielle yeah. and we will guide you and help you. And thank you um, in advance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ben. Well, uh, without further ado, over to the existing podcast patrons who allowed this podcast to continue. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Tim Ferris, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Richard Simpkins, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, Darren Jones, and Paul Jolie. Our patrons, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, David, Tracy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, Jackie, happy birthday, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, happy birthday to Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Jill, Yari, Laos, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Urban, Nancy, Juliet, Scott, Anthea, Maria, Nicole, Tracy, happy birthday, Darren, Vernon, Jamie, Diana, Stefan, Andrew, Georgie, Stephen, Keisha, Mark, Vern, Shane, Lachlan, Mandy, Rachel, Nick and Sula and Amy. Welcome to the podcast and a special mention to Sue D, Joe Robbins, John A. Vink, Michael Spriggs, Glenn Davis, Paul Boozy and Jay Finlinson. Welcome to the podcast. Very soon, Gary Gary Beers from LA. Looking forward to that. And uh, I think, you know, he's almost committed to a couple of hours. So we might better slice this big interview coming up into a couple of episodes. But we are very much looking forward to chatting to Gary today. So before we do that, though, it's time for. It's time for the news. Hi, this is Sarah from Sydney. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas. And now it's time for the news. Alright, B, well, a little bit of chart news, uh, the very best of. Well, it's actually had a little reversal. It's gone to actually back up the charts from 34 back up to 29 in terms oh. of the overall artist chart. Yes. Uh, it's still number one as out of all the Australian albums, uh, some 11 and a half, 12 years since its release. So, How good 20, is that? That's pretty 29 in the overall chart. You know, the, yeah. The, 
top top you know 50 and then it's uh, number one in the Australian specific artist chart which is great uh, kick fell from 9 to 11 in the Australian specific chart but still pretty good big shout out to all of our listeners and all the people who downloaded us recently uh, last week our podcast was the number 10 podcast in Australia in the Oz music history category so we want to say a big shout out to you guys and hopefully with the Gary interview we can maybe nudge into the top 10 a bit further yes. so that would be great be also to uh, probably in the last week be you may have seen this and I'm sure our listeners have there's been obviously a lot of articles maybe not as many as when Michael's 25th anniversary of passing occurred but it's just great to sort of see that uh, radio stations publications acknowledging what would have been Michael's 63rd mm. birthday mm. Um, I do know there was one in I think in America a, a radio station FM1 called The River 93.7 uh, I think that's in America and they uploaded uh, a doco of the last uh, True Rock Star which is not the best documentary to be honest with you but they posted that on their platform and there was just a number of little articles around you know the traps last week so you can always dive deep on that through your Google search engine over to you B. Um, Gary Bears put a wonderful post out and if yes, you find that please scroll through yeah. and read the comments because there's some great comments there from people yeah. that have worked with the band yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, also, too, there was, <laughs> I must say, look, uh, I've always been uh, nonpartisan and very, very neutral and independent about any other podcast out there that encourages listening in excess. Um, I, I did an, uh, eagerly anticipate listening to an Australian rock, rock podcast called Oz Rock Rated. I lasted 12 minutes out of about an hour and a half, B. Unfortunately, they were doing a retrospective on in excess. And when, when you say that, you know, and, and again, we're probably being fussy because we are pretty much uh, in excess nerds. But when you say that it was uh, Michael meeting Tim in the schoolyard after Michael got into a fight, um, and then when they start calling singles off uh, uh, Welcome to Wherever You Are, we're actually on the uh, Full Moon album and uh, the mistakes they make and then the sort of cynical sort of, you know, attitude on certain recordings. I lasted 12 minutes. So, um, I hope again, you block them. <laughs> uh, well, I haven't blocked them at all, but uh, I was a bit disappointed because I, I, I'm a fan. I love listening to podcasts. Anything to do with excess, I like it. But this sort of reminded me why I started this podcast in the first place, uh, to be balanced and researched and hopefully be accurate. Also, too, a uh, big shout-out to uh, also Andrew Ferris. Obviously, he's in Nashville recording at the moment. There's been three or four little publications and also some posts from Andrew himself on his Facebook page that he's recording some new material and, and recording with various songwriters in Nashville. So I assume it will have a country flavour, but... Um, uh, he seems to be on a bit of a creative sort of role, which uh, which is awesome. Also, too, B, I had to smile at this one. There's a big concert on. Now, you might know this venue, okay? I'm going to try it out here. Okay. Uh, it's in a place called Tynemouth, T-Y-N-E-M-O-U-T-H, Tynemouth. No, Have you heard of that? Tynemouth. Tynemouth, okay. Tynemouth. Tinmouth, okay. So be like, be like, we got Melbourne, <laughs> not Melbourne. Okay, Tinmouth, okay. So there's some tribute bands playing there. So the NXS UK guys are playing there, and it's actually at this thing called the Fake Festival. Yeah, I know. I've heard of and there's a band there. Instead of Pulp, there's a band there called Pulped. <laughs> Instead of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, there's the Really Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Instead of Oasis, there's Oasis. Okay. <laughs> Instead of Muse, there's Mused. So uh, that's going to be playing, I think, in July in the summer period there. Uh, so, sorry, no, it's been play, playing in April, the 22nd of April. So I thought that was pretty cool. Linux UK guys are there. So for a lot of our very loyal uh, UK listeners, um, if you like a lot of those bands, it could be a pretty fun festival oh, to go to. Hey, good with that, the way it's called the fake festival you yeah, know? yeah yeah we, we yeah we need to have that here
Also, too, I can't remember if we mentioned last week, but I did have a chance to dive deep a bit this week. But there is a big Ollie Olsen interview with Jane Gazzo. We're going to seek some permission from Jane whether we can upload that. Uh, Ollie is not well, and we did promote a, a donation page that Jane's put together. And it's definitely uh, getting close to their $15,000. We would love to see more people donate to that. To note to that, but there's a, probably an 80 minute interview where Ollie does speak uh, quite largely a bit about um, his music career. So we might sort of, if Garrett, if Ollie can't come on for health reasons, we might see if we can make that a feature interview and uh, ask good. Jane if we can upload that. So yeah. just because it does touch upon, you know, great stuff with Michael and, you know, his career and the definitive interview. So it's not so much about us doing the interview, it's about people hearing from Ollie, which we'd love to uh, share at a, on a greater sort of, you know. From that point of view, uh, I guess, B, that's the major news of the week. I've got extra, extra, extra. <laughs> And thank you to everybody that has signed the petition to get uh, in excess inducted. Um, we have now been told by Dr. Jim and the team that they have hit 13,000 signatures. So if you haven't already done this, you need to get onto it because we need more. Um, we are um, storming the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and find out that um, how that link and we'll put it into our description this week. The other thing I encourage everyone to do is through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think I've posted on our patron site, but there's a lot of movement now. It's in the next couple of months, the 2023 nominations come out. So it's not long to go. So there was just a, uh, a platform recently where you could go in and vote and hardly anyone voted for in excess of one of these sort of uh, fan poll things. So one of the things I'd ask you to do, Google in your search engine everywhere, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame polls, mm-hmm. and then different ones will come up. Just get onto all of them yeah. because they, they're all, there's too many to announce, but there are some there that get media attention. So Tommy James and the Shondells are the one who got 63% of the fan vote on this particular poll. Now, we don't know whether that's a 1,000 people polling or whether that's such and such, but, you know, NXS weren't even in the poll. So we need people not only just to sign petitions, we need people to get onto all these rock and roll polls that are going around because it's actually campaign season now. Yes. All these polls are coming around. And the mm-hmm. amount of fan activity generally leads it towards, you know, just mm-hmm. attention. So if mm-hmm. you've done a signature, that's, that's one thing. But, you know, we, some of us did those three years ago. Yeah. So get onto Rock and Roll Poll, NXS, Hall of Fame Poll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Polls. Go into as many as you can. Vote for NXS and that stuff will really help. Yes, and if you are a radio station out there as well or a, a DJ or, uh, or you have a platform, Make a poll. Get in excess. Help us. Help us get yeah. in excess inducted. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Well, that's the news of the week. This is Danielle. This is Lori. And this is Foxy. We're the Newsreel Babies. Please subscribe to our newsletter at nxsaccessallareas.com. All right, B, We're about 30 seconds away from pressing uh, record. Hello to Gary Gary Beers. Are you nervous? A little bit, yeah. I wonder, <laughs> what, I wonder uh, yeah. What is that right. be like? <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Probably along the mind, but uh, we are very, very excited. So without further ado, we're going to go over to our famous bassist guitar member and we're going to welcome mm-hmm. Gary Gary Pierce to our podcast. Hello, GGB. Thank you, Gary, Gary Beers, for joining the show. We uh, thought we'd introduce ourselves first so you know a little bit about us and uh, we can then sort of go from there. But uh, 
we put this podcast together about two and a half years ago. Uh, we seem to know a lot about you and you probably don't know anything about us, but one of our goals were to do quite an accurate sort of retrospective on In Excess and each band member, help them get into the Rock Hall of Fame, have some fun along the way and help sort of build a bit of a community, which uh, over the last 132 episodes... Uh, we've sort of managed to do, Gary. Um, I guess for B and I to start with, we just want to thank you for your musical contribution over the journey. We want to start off a very important question. What happened to Manly this year in the rugby? First of all, hi, nice to meet you guys. Sorry it's taken me so long to get on the show, but um, great to be here. As far as Manly goes, I was actually starting to feel pretty good until Turbo yeah, had another breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought maybe it's going to be a good year, getting, changing coaches and you know, just a different direction, but you know, even though I don't think Desi was really the problem, but I don't know. I'm really hopeful. I mean, you know, it's it's just a shame that 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 Turbo just keeps having you know issues with his with his uh his fitness and stuff and health. But you know, good luck to him. I, I really I'm looking forward to a good year. I think other teams are going to have really silly years. I think I think the Bulldogs are going to have a good year. You know, as long as the Storm don't have a good year, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, speaking like a true city sider. So, so do you get the? Uh, I know you're a bit of a passionate rugby fan. Do you get the games in live there? You got all the the appropriate infrastructure and networks to watch as much as you can. Yeah, there's a there's a, a Fox app. Um, yeah, I don't watch their news, but I watch their sport. Um, yeah, there's, I got a, a Fox app for the rugby league, and I'm, I'm begrudgingly watching a few of the American football games after being here for 17 years. I've, I'm that desperate. I got to watch their games. But, oh. <laughs> but the thing is, I watch the recordings of it. It just it just shows me the highlights because it's such a boring game. You know, it, you know, it's just it takes so a long much. time to hit its uh, straps, doesn't it? You know. Does. And when you watch a game, it's like it's there's so much advertising. It's yeah. it's, it's, mm. it's like four hours for a game of eighty minutes, and it's and by then you're half asleep, you know. Yeah. So um, yeah, good old league. I love rugby league. Mm. Now, as, B, as, B, B, my compadre has uh, has for many many uh, Aston years. Villa. Huh? <laughs> Aston Villa. Oh, right, okay. Uh, has had a very curious question, and we would th- thought we would just start with the real basic stuff first off about uh, your name, B. So I thought you would throw that one to Gary. Yeah, the name, uh, the Gary, Gary part of it. So it was a misspelling in a book or on a on a record. Um, what, what happened there? How did it become? It just goes back to the first album or a couple of albums my my then girlfriend did did the the writing she was actually uh, a graphic designer and did did the, the actual handwriting of all the lyrics and the credits on the first two albums yeah and she was just having a bit of a a, a fiddle and and just kind of michael's then girlfriend used to call me gary gary oh. and so rebecca my then girlfriend decided to write it as gary gary on the records and spell it the way it was so it was her call okay and- so it wasn't a misspelling it actually was well, she meant to do Michelle said it. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, I guess I have to find her and ask, but I, I always thought it was intentional. But if you look at the albums, I think on the first album in excess, that you see where she's actually testing her pen or testing, <laughs> and, and it got reprinted. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, maybe maybe it was a mistake. I'm not sure, but either way, it's kind of stuck. I like it. You like it? Yeah, yeah it's very cute. Yeah. Hey, didn't you want to say something else or can I carry on for a minute? You go, yeah. Okay. How did you meet Andrew? Because everybody knows how Andrew met Michael, but I don't know the story of you meeting Andrew. It's going to be interesting because I'm actually in the process of writing a book finally because I've been asked so many times, but that will be how it starts, is it? I went to Bogola Surf Club um, just to see 
some friends of mine, actually, they used to play bass and drums in Guinness, which was Tim and Kirk's first band. And they were sort of moonlighting with this other guy playing a gig. And they were playing at Bulgola, the Bulgola Bop. So we went down to Bulgola Surf Club with a mate. And we got there to watch them, help them set up. And I walked in the room and they hadn't found the power switch and it was all dark and it was, you know, it was like getting under dusk. And there was a guy in the corner. I went, oh, there's Tim Ferriss. And I didn't actually get all, get along with Tim Ferriss because I was the meathead rugby player and he was the, the you know, the musician, sort of the rock star already in, in the school. And I walked over, to, yeah, even though I didn't really get along with him, I thought, well, I know him. So I go, yeah, the only person in the room I know. So I went and said hello and it was Andrew. And I said, oh, oh, he goes, oh, I'm not Tim, I'm, Andrew's bro- I mean, I'm Tim's brother, Andrew, and, and you're Gary, and you've just got a bass guitar, and can we jam? Because I oh. apparently I, I got a bass guitar, and I became the only, the, the, the second bass player in the entire sort of area of the North Shore that we lived, besides the bass player that we were there from Guinness that we were there to see. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the next day I was I was jamming with Andrew and John. It was like, I think, 11 or 12 at the time. That was You were only 14- 11? No, I was, I was, I'm the oldest. So I was, I was yeah, like 16 or 17. Yes. And 13 or 14 and John was 11 or 12. So it was, it's, yeah. Wow. It goes it's so young still though. Yeah. Hey, God. I don't think about it. I mean, you know. Mm. We think about your own kids now and you go, wow, what I was doing at your age. <laughs> yeah. My, my twins were uh, 11 and a half and that's, you know, John Farrell. Yeah, John was like drumming <laughs> in a band. Like, drumming. He was amazing. We thought we'd do something we did similar with uh, John Farris, speak of the devil, a couple of weeks ago when we spoke and sort of work a, a bit backwards because obviously as nostalgic as talking about NXS is, we always like to think that, especially with John as well, that you are creating music now and have been so over a number of years, obviously being in LA, um, being probably a bit of a gun for hire for different people as well. But uh, tell us about Ash and Moon and where it's at at the moment and how COVID hopefully is uh, behind us and it can start be, being the entity you want it to be. It, it is interesting because we finished the record and signed a distribution deal with a, a label and um, had a tour set up and then COVID hit. Like we actually literally signed as the week COVID hit um, and then we went into lockdown. So our tours got cancelled for two years in a row and, um, we released like five songs through the label before the label kind of just, you know, shut down, you know, branches in different parts of the world. So we kind of just put everything on hold, to be honest. I, you know, I got looking after my family. I had a family member with, um, you know, autoimmune disease. So we really had to go into lockdown. The kids were doing the home Zoom school. So it all became about families and looking after the families. We all got COVID. Mm. Um, it, you know, boosters, uh, you know. Getting the immunization and the boosters helped, but we, you know, we ended up all getting it. So we all went through it like everybody else in the world. Um, yeah, luckily, no no major damage. But yeah, as far as Ash Moon went, we just had to basically put it on hold because yeah, we did one show in Dallas at a big festival. It was fantastic. You know, they, they kind of ignored the whole um, COVID thing. It was liberating but off-putting to walk around, you know, th- you know 10,000 people with no masks and no yeah. care in the world about COVID right in the middle of it. So... But where uh, Toby and I are still, um, you know, we're still writing. We're just, you know, re- just starting to get back into getting it going again. So um, we're writing new material. We still haven't released the full album. So we still got, you know, the album that we wrote a couple of years ago. We still have to release that. Um, we have a new guitar player, you know, uh, just, just, you know, moves along. But, you know, other things have taken over. I've been, you know, building my bases and you know, getting that company going. 
but uh, the band is now back to being a priority because um, I'm very proud of the music, very proud of um, what we've done together, me and Toby and myself. <clears throat> yeah, just looking forward to it. Some great tunes. Mosquito, loved that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting because that was something that I wrote years ago because a lot of oh. it's just in my, in my computer hard drive down behind me from the days when I was in a band with, you know, with one of the two of the best songwriters in the world and Andrew and Michael, so I didn't get a Guernsey. So, um, you know, I've got all these bits of music and that was, you know, Mosquito was a just a riff and a, and and, a, and some whistling. That was that, that, whistling. that, that in the beginning. It was a, like something I really basic I did years ago and Toby just grabbed that and that became Mosquito. So it's just been very um, a good project to have all these bits of music that I have used and not used and for Toby to listen to them with fresh ears and, for us to work together writing new lyrics and just taking a whole fresh approach, you know, and, and working with Toby has been amazing because I've never really had a songwriting partner like him. You know, like Andrew yeah. had like Andrew and we were always the guys on the outside looking yeah. in. So, yeah, yeah, he's such a great guy, isn't he? He looks like you, did you yeah. Did I hear right that you actually created the graphics for Ash and Moon as well? Yeah, I did all the I did all You're the You're so clever. I, I did at school, I did. Um, electronics and in, industrial arts, and and which was mainly you know drawing and and mechanics and design. Um, yeah, I didn't do very well at school, but I st- the other things I, I enjoyed doing was woodwork and drawing. So I and, and electronics. So yeah, now I build bases, which is woodwork and electronics, and and the artwork. I've always just been a fan of of artwork from guys like Roger Dean, who did all the Yes artwork. Mm. And, and his Yes logo. I've actually been to his gallery in San Francisco and bought like prints and copies and lithographs of his actual yes logo, which is it's really good. Yeah, letters yeah. run through each other. Yeah. So I just stole that idea just while we're, we're mixing the album, I just sat there and did all the, you know, all the artwork. Fantastic. Sorry, I better let my host go. <laughs> That's, all right. That's all right. Now, you know, the wonders of social media, we've sort of seen footage you've posted uh, at various sales sort of events with your guitars, Gary. It must be great sort of getting out there and talking sort of guitars with uh, real learned fans. I'm sure a few people have noticed and recognised you out in the field while you've been doing some sales with them. Well, yeah, I, I, I kind of go along in my shorts and a, and a cowboy hat but uh, and, and take my kids and my dog and we just – we set up a, a tent and a, a stall at, at a local uh, bluesgrass festival uh, about two months ago here in the in the area where I live in in uh, Agura Hills, and um, it was just fun meeting people and and it's just opportunistic to meet people and and work together with them. So yesterday, I did a photo shoot at my house and also here at the, at the warehouse, the studio, on the my workshop for the bases. I'm really getting serious about it, but these are the you know, this is these are the beauties I build. They're stunning. Um, yeah, they are beautiful, and they're you know made to look vintage, and you know this is brand new, but it looks yeah. You know, when did vintage. you start making them? I started working on electronics. I mean, I've been fiddling and and pulling bases apart since the beginning. I mean, we were also broke that I was buying yeah you know, Fender copies, Fender bass copies, and and just pulling them apart, you know, turning them into fretlesses, turning them back into fretteds, and just changing pickups, just doing what I could to make them sound better because they were like, they were a hundred dollar guitars. So until I could finally afford a Fender. Um, And I just started working on a pickup design back in Australia and I kept working on it here in LA and I finally got the pattern for it. So this is a very gorgeous. Um, The color as well. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? So it's candy apple tangerine. You can't really probably see it, but it's got Candy apple tangerine. 
And the apple tangerine, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've picked like five or six colors and and body, a couple of body styles, and I, I'm just starting to not mass produce them because they're all pretty much handmade, custom made, but I'm starting to – I'm investing in getting more made so I can sell them because I've, I've been building them and I've got all these beautiful bases that I sit and play with and I've gigged with and, I, you know, I, I love them all, but they're like my babies, but i got to start selling them. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want you try to make – make one guitar if you went from uh, go to why well if it's just me it's it's months you know i found a guy who does my painting now i got to pick up winder and just and learn how to wind pickups to, to build you know the initial uh, it's, you know so like it's got four coils it's yeah it's a bit technical but it's a it's kind of funny because a pickup is it's been going around since the turn of the century it's just a, a wire wrapped around magnet so that's what's in every speaker it's what's in I and mean, that's what a pickup is so i'm kind of shocked and happy happily surprised that i got the patent for it but no one's ever done what i've done so the pickup that i've designed one pickup can give you five distinct vintage bass sounds so uh, that's all i use with the Asher moon record and it's all i've used for all the sessions i've been doing lately because i only i arrived in america with pretty much just one bass that was my old faithful in excess bass that's just sitting upstairs locked away and i've been using my own basses yeah, it's, it's been a little passion I've been wanting to do for a long time, and now I'm doing it. So it extended out to other artists who, who within the town or the community or the industry in terms of some inquiry or certain sounds. I mean, a, a, a great band or guitarist themselves uh, always looking for a new angle in the sound. Um, have you had some interest there? As I said, I, I, that Bluegrass Festival was actually like uh, some really amazing players there. It, was, it wasn't just bluegrass music. There was a, a Cuban uh, like a you know, a famous Cuban jazz player was there playing in a like a Latin band, and he came over and he had a play, and he's going to order one, of, and I got to build him a special one, and then another guy who plays violin turns out he was you know just as good on bass as the other guy, so you know orders are sl- slowly starting, kind of at the moment by word of mouth. The photo shoot yesterday, I'm going to start turning into a business. I'm actually going to get finally get off my butt and get a uh, you know, a website. Building it is is the is kind of the, the fun, you know, passion part. But the, the, all the rest of it, the business part, I'm not very good at. I met some people at that bluegrass festival that are helping me out, and I'm working with now. So, you know, I'm getting very serious about it, and I'm I'm going to do it in a professional way because I, you know, you know, I'm a musician. I'm not a businessman. Yeah. yeah, the world needs to know about these um, guitars. Definitely. Are you going to make yeah. double basses as well? <laughs> uh, you know, double basses are, are, are yeah. That's a real art form. I mean, that's 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 creating an acoustic instrument is a real art form. I'll probably make some semi-acoustic, which is like you know, semi-hollow basses. But I have the, the patent I have is for four string through to ten string, which I wow. Didn't, I I just wanted the patent for four and five string, but I end up getting it through to ten string. So I can I'm actually going to um, myself and the and the tech that I'm working with who lives out in um, Joshua Tree. He's my the like, the, the guy I'm, I'm working with the pickups with now. Now, the next step is to build a guitar version, like a six-string guitar version, and see what that sounds like. Because it might sound like it might not work at all, but it might be, you know, like world-changing. It's uh, yeah, music changing. Mm. Yeah, so we'll see. California, Gary. I guess you know you are part of a bigger ecosystem of uh, of music and things. And I know, sort of delving deep, you sense in excess 
and even sort of whilst you were still in NXS, and you still are in NXS, you know, let's be honest, okay, it's still an entity. Yeah. But uh, I was really curious, you know, you did some co-writes with Scott Weiland and RIP to him, himself and other sort of, uh, you know, maybe gun for hire type arrangements. I mean, have you worked on other people's material since you've been over there or been coming and, and stuff you can share with some of our listeners? I've been working with uh, just doing some session stuff. I kind of also, you know, I've got my studio here. I've been setting up um, some online session stuff. So, you know, if you'll contact me, I can, I can send me their files. I put, you know, just sit here with all my gear and, and put bass tracks down. So I've been doing quite a bit of that. Nothing that's kind of like famous or whatever, but to be honest, the whole COVID experience is, I'm sure like most people in the world has opened my eyes to other possibilities and, and, after the initial, as I said, the initial year of or year and a half of of everything had to do with the family, of the kids schooling, because you know poor kids losing out and all the social growth and all the education. I mean, it's going to be a stigma that they'll have the rest of their lives of poor things. Mm. Um, that became really important to me to look after you know the kids and and get the family through it. But now I'm getting back into it. It's, it's opened up to the fact that I've I've kind of been sleepwalking through a lot of my life. When you think about it, you know. It's a it's a tough one being in a in a rock band all your life, you know, since high school basically. That where you've got people giving you an itinerary and and a schedule, and and you kind of you know it becomes a bit of a crutch that you get you start to love and get used to, and it's it is a hard mold to break, and it's taken me a long time to break it. But I'm really starting to really enjoy you know writing, um, you know, with Toby especially, but writing with people, playing with people, jamming. I mean. We just sold our house, my wife and I, but the house we had, that's where the, we had a big giant garage and that's where the, the band would rehearse. Like we became a real garage band. So we'd, we'd <laughs> rehearse in our garage and in the studio was a bit of shed out the back and just real old school stuff. And I'm really enjoying just getting my hands dirty again as far as writing and building and, and just doing all sort of stuff. Freedom. Well, yeah, I mean, something you obviously should be very proud of and through being here in Australia and, and, and knowing other bands who have succeeded is um, your creation of uh, Mangrove Studios. That must be something that you look back on fondly because um, my my understanding of that is that many artists went through there. You were very, very generous with recording times and making it more affordable and available for Australian artists and things, plus some of your own creations. Um, tell us about the Mangrove experience. It started out as a just I built a little studio, then I um and I, I had a mate of mine called Jacko who was a master carpenter and he lived up the road and I've known him for years and basically just would come over every day and we just sit there and you know, it was back when I had a bit of cash floating around. So we just sit there and had twenty five acres and it's like, let's build this, let's build this, you know, build another room on the studio and and, and so studio one started out as a little like like this, like a little 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 room and ended up being a like having three live rooms and I bought vintage gear and, and Silverchair did one of their albums there, um, Diorama. I was sitting there with Daniel and he's going, what's that big building up the other end of the property? I mean, I was just a shed. It's, uh, I built that for, you know, a horse stable, even though I don't have horses. It was just, you know, seemed like a good idea at the time, but it's, it's got the NXS stage gear and, and stage in there. We're storing it there. And he goes, well, why don't you make that into a studio? So, I did, and I made that into Mangrove Studios too, which became the big, the big facility with, you know, with all the world class gear, and that's where they, you know, then Silverchair used that for the next album, Neon Ballroom. But yeah, I just opened it to, you know, you know, bands like something for Kate. It just became what was again supposed to be a business, but 
ended up becoming a bit of a passion because I, I was collecting, you know, guitars and amps and I probably should have rented them out, but I would loan them to, you know, any artists that, that you know, because they're all mates, you know. And, yeah. and I had uh, accommodation on the property around the top dam. So people lived there, but they you know, became part of the, our lives for, for the months they were there recording. It was a really wonderful experience for everybody. And it was great for the bands because they could get up there and, and just live, eat and breathe music and not be surrounded by record labels or, you know, like yeah, all the distractions of being in a big city. And they just loved yeah. it. And they kept, you know, and, and then eventually I, yeah, I ended up selling it all, but um, it's still there. I mean, it was funny that an evangelist, I can't even say the word, evangelical church group bought it. Um, the Hillsong Church bought oh, it. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then since then, uh, someone else has bought it who was already a studio owner up in Somersby up in the area. I think he owns it now. So, yeah, it's it's still there, it's still going. Is it off Pete's Ridge that way? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's it's on a it, now it's a sealed road. It was a dirt road um, mm. in Somersby, which is the next it's the next suburb, you know, next piece of bush over from Pete's Ridge, and then just down the hill is is the back of Gosford. So it was yeah, you know, it was um. Just up on the hill, basically above Gosford, near and it looked out towards um, the entrance. You could see all the, you could see the ocean and and, uh, and Agra Lakes and all that. It was really magnificent. I mean, stunning. and it used to get the most amazing uh, electrical storms because the whole yeah. of that is ironstone. And I ended up building a, a a giant ironstone wall, like twelve feet high, six feet deep, stacked up um, because it was, when it was a dirt road, um, the hoons would just go. Tearing around, lose it on a corner, and, and end up in my front yard every time. Yes. Uh, so I built this wall, and they just kept crashing into that. But um, it, but storm, you could see electrical storms were just like out over the over the ocean. Just you could see them change direction and come towards the yeah. mountain. Wow. Wow. And I, yeah, and would and lightning would hit the wall, and you could actually see when you fly out of Sydney, and you fly up north, have a look, you'll see a big orange wall. It's about. I don't know, 400 foot long, and that's that's my wall. I built that. You can see it from airplanes. <laughs> I'll have to look out for it over yeah. there. So it's by where that dinosaur is in the mountains. Oh, far from there, yeah. If you go the back way up, yeah, there's Summersby. Summersby is a big area, but it's, it's opposite. It's across the road from Strickland State Forest. Um, and one of the reasons I sold it was was the bushfires. Yeah, like it was yeah. through that area for 30 years, and it was the fuel was just six mm. foot deep, and it was just – Getting scary. There was a couple of big fires, and all my mates with their farms would bring their gear and put it in my on my property, and then the fire would change direction. And it's like, oh my god! So yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah I, I loved it there. I was there for twenty years. I built, you know, it was oh. my life to build all that stuff. But then it was time to sell it. Um, mm. you know, changes happened, so um, yeah, and then I ended up living here. So uh, yeah, life's a journey. Back at that particular time, I think obviously in the uh, late nineties, early two thousands, you teamed up with uh, Jack Jones, aka Irwin, uh, mm-hmm. to create Mudhead. Now, yep. just a little update for you: you may know that Irwin's just joined Noiseworks, and he's on tour here in Australia at the moment. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm actually so, out of the old Australian music scene. Okay. So and and John Stevens is an amazingly lovely person, so I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah. So. You, you may know that uh, uh, Stuart Fraser about three, four years ago passed away and uh, Irwin sort of come in and he's a quite accomplished guitarist, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did Mudhead. It, it kind of fizzled out, you know, again, you know, 
I'm not a businessman. I'm not a record label guy. But we, yeah, a former label called Override Records, and we kind of did a soft release, and then it. But it was again, it was a labor of love in Mangrove Number One. Yeah, you know, he was the first person that I really felt good writing with. Actually, probably the second. I think Sean Kelly from the Models with Absent Friends was probably the first guy I really gelled with as a songwriter. Um, outside of inaccessible, but yeah, Mudhead was fun. It's a shame it never got to be a live band because we had Dave Leslie from Baby Animals was the second guitar player, so we had two of the best guitar players in Australia. Yeah. The band, you know, and Jack's an amazing singer. Um, before we did the album, we played live uh, at the Mark Hunter benefit just after Michael died, and I, I just really had to get out and play. So I, I put my hand up and played with I think seven different acts, and you know. Um, from Richie Clapton, Wendy Matthews, Jenny Morris, um, you know, Jack and I got up as Mudhead. It was just an amazing experience to do that um, and help Mark. And was and just getting up with Jack, we, we started writing and recording some stuff. We hadn't actually played live ever. And mm. it was really good fun. Like he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, one of the best guitar players I've played with. He's amazing. Yeah, he's, he's um, I said, yeah, joined Noiseworks and uh, he still does obviously some of his uh, – Southern Sun sort of stuff on the side a little bit there. But uh, yeah. um, looking back through that, I'm going to mention Absent Friends and then going into um, even I think with um, Kieran, you had a, a, some stuff you did together uh, called Stadium and um, then obviously Ash and Moon. I mean, you've obviously done a lot of collaborations, you know, around and post in excess. Yeah, yeah. Kieran, you know, when we were touring, we were touring with in excess, we, yeah, we, we wrote in, in my hotel. I used, I used to always carry a little studio with me, a little, you know, just a, um, some gear and we we just um, put down jot down some some ideas we put like six or seven ideas down in in Switzerland in a hotel room looking at the snow at the Alps and just fun to, to do it you know whether it gets used or not we used a couple of songs with Stadium and did sort of releases and a, a mate of mine here he's, he's a filmmaker he did a video for it and without the band in it we never got around to putting the band in it and it won all these awards <laughs> yeah, so it, it's you know it, it's it's always fun to work with people and and Kieran's again a great singer, great writer. You know, I'm I'm a pathetic fan of music. You know, I'm, I'm you, know, you ask any of the guys in excess, I'm, I'm embarrassingly um, in love with music. You know, I still get goosebumps listening to, to stuff, and it's it's kind of pathetic, but it's it's well. It's, let let, you know. let us give let us give you some praise. I know B would probably echo this. Uh, a very good friend friend of our podcast who's been on a number of times and uh, rings us and things like that. Uh, Mark Opitz. Uh, uh, can oh. I give you some praise from him uh, to you? We are you? Yeah. I know being being in America now, you're not very good at receiving praise. No. <laughs> he said that uh, let me just get these quotes in he said he praised your awareness of knowing where a song was at what chord and key and what note was next especially for others live on stage if Tim forgot what was coming up you'd be like you were very aware of everyone's place live is that he something called, that w- you would agree him, with he called him the computer is that right yeah. yes yeah. <laughs> I think most bass players are, are kind of like I think you also could be the data bank I think it's I think mm. that's it's kind of like most bass players' job is usually to be the 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 quiet guy that holds it together, and you know, and it's 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 especially true in a band like In Excess with you know two permanent you know two main guitar players, and then Andrew, um, you know, when he's on guitar, it's like three guitars, and my job is to is to hold that bottom end down as for, for, you know for the life for the life of me, so not to not to show off, not to you know so. We became a really tight unit, and as far as everyone knew their place in the overall sound, um, mm-hmm. sonic, you know, output of in excess, um, 
Yeah, John was uh, was main focus as an amazing drummer. Michael was obviously the pointy end of the, the you know the whole the band, and Kirk did his thing. Tim and I, Tim and I used to call you consider us like the the, the meat and potatoes of, of the band, like the the riffs, the solid part. Outside of the stage was always a solid part, but um, yeah, it, it was yeah. Mark Mark got it. It was always fun with you know, in recording with Mark and with Chris Thomas just to you know know my part as a bass player and and just be confident in it. I mean, and and comfortable with it. Bass players don't get much recognition unless they're real, you know, virtuosos like Flea or whatever. And you know, I, it's good to get some recognition as a guy that's just you know solid. You know, I just like being solid. Now, Flea's, Flea's an ex-Aussie living in LA. Cross paths with Flea. He never mentions it, but he yeah, he's he's well, his real name is Balthazar, and he was born in Melbourne. So Michael, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's got a good Aussie name, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever crossed paths with him in LA? Um, you know, not not. I think we crossed paths you know, years ago, and we're both sort of starting out. I haven't. Yeah, you know, I actually want to reach out to him and get one of my bases in his hands. Just to, yeah, but, good move. You know, because he's, you know, he's he's a he's he's a monster of a player. I mean, and mm. and one of those players that I I admire because he's he can do everything, but he's got he knows when to play just with soul, and that's you know a lot of a lot of musicians these days are just so whittly whittly show offy that they just they forget how to play something simple with a, with a, with soul, and that's to me that's what you know what any musician should have first of all is soul. The you other know. the other one you should get hold of is mm. um, John Taylor from Duran Duran. He's yeah, just you know, done some. Um, he's just done some tutorials and stuff on. And I've seen you on. He's really good. He's actually inspired me to to you know my good friends at Road, good old Australian company. They've they've given me a whole bunch of um, podcast stuff. So I'm going to start doing yeah you know, to exhibitions of the bases and and just cool. general stuff because I know whenever I do, um, I got a couple of Facebook pages. I know whenever I do just to to pick up the bass and play, I get they get you know thousands of people start commenting on it so i really have to do more of it so mm. this workplace now that life is kind of moving back towards getting you know moving in the direction of the bases and music again um i really want to start putting it all together and trying to get you know, more output as far as are you going to have enough hours in the day no <laughs> you're not <laughs> for uh, getting people together in bands, but uh, a good friend of our show who's been on a few times and he actually co-hosted uh, a part of our show last week was Nick Egan, who's in LA. Oh, yeah. Nick came on and did an interview with uh, Danny Sabre and uh, came on with B. And, um, but Nick's up in the, the Hollywood Hills and um, uh, I assume that uh, uh, B, he's got quite close access to John Taylor. So if you, uh, if you need a... If you need a phone number, a phone number. <laughs> oh, Actually, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, as I said, I've, I've seen some of John's stuff, and and like it's funny because 
now at the stage of my life and career where I'm at now, I can look at bands that I used to get kind of a bit pissed off with, like Duran Duran and U2, because they were competition. And I used mm-hmm. to get you know, jealous that we're the, the Aussie guys that's sort of behind the eight ball being way out in Australia. And they're the guys like, yeah, you two didn't pay taxes and, you know, there's four of them and, um, you know, and they you could, they could start touring and start making money straight away. Whereas we'd start touring for Australia and we'd have to, we have to tour for six months to, to pay yeah. off you know, the airfares and the freight and all that sort of stuff. Um, and Duran Duran, I just, I, I, I just thought that we were better, you know, it's just that whole, <laughs> Aussie sports thing. Like, hey, you know, I'm uh, from Birmingham and I know you're better. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, you know, the, the uh, I guess I've mellowed as an older older man. It's like I, I now look at, at bands like U2 and, and, and Duran Duran with a, with a you know, a, a sort of a more appreciation of their talent. And and he's a great bass player, John. Like he's he was showing how to play one of the songs, um, and it's actually a really good line. Like it's, it's, you know, I, I thought it was a bit too much in the, in the day because, you know, we were in competition, but now I sit and watching him play, it's like, that's a really good baseline. He's a really yeah. good player. Like, yeah, a lovely player. Yeah, yeah. He just looks a little bit arrogant, doesn't he? And a bit up himself, yeah. but actually he does. He does. That's what always put me off Duran Duran. It was him because yeah. Simon's gorgeous. He's like really <laughs> open and lovely, but he's just. Hey, Princess player. Diane, she was a John guy, you know? <laughs> she was, <Yes. laughs> but but when you watched him doing those tutorials, you're like, oh wow, he's a pretty cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, um, he's age age has not not touched him yet either. So yeah, <laughs> he's looking very he's looking pretty pretty handsome. You know, yeah. Well, if we can, if we can dive in a little bit into in excess, so I think uh, you mentioned Chris Thomas and Mark earlier. Um, you know, going back, we uh, episode twenty eight of our podcast. Uh, we did an episode on you. So if you ever want to do a sort of a Roger Clemson, this is your life and quietly <laughs> go back and dive deep on that episode. I did listen to it last night to remind me uh, uh, some research for today. But what was interesting, I felt, was that everything outside the Chris Thomas stuff, I felt like you had a few more featured bass lines on a lot of the recordings, whether it was the first few albums and, and especially something like Cut Your Roses Down, which I think is a bit of a favourite for yours, um, and, and Strange Desire and Welcome. I feel like Mark really brought out a lot of stuff that made it really featured on albums. Was Is that my ears playing tricks or is that something you would agree with? Chris Thomas is a magnificent producer. Um, he's deaf as a post. Um, like, you know, you would be got, now, yeah. <laughs> live, he used to play, you know, obviously played music, played keyboards with the Pretenders for a while. He, but he's, he's obviously, you know, back in the day of, of volume, he's, he's, he's deaf as a post. So he's, but knowledge of music and his experience of music is second to none. But Mark's, Mark's a different kettle of fish because Mark, we've known, I met Mark with John Farris when we did, you know, we played on Richard Clapton's album, The Great Escape. And we were just kids. We hadn't, we hadn't even recorded, we just, hadn't even started recording our second album underneath the colors with Richard producing. So it was a big thing to go into, you know, Paradise Studios where where Sherbert did How's That and 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 Chisel had just finished doing circus uh doing East. You know, it was like it was like, my God, you know, like and I got my little Japanese copy base that I I you know I'd, I'd painted and, and sanded and ripped the frets out and and I did played it on you know on, on Richard Clapper's album and and but and that so that was the experience. It was pretty over. It was pretty overwhelming in many ways for me. But um, yeah, Richard was a sweetheart to work with and a, and a good mate. And and Mark was yeah you know, wonderful to us. Like he 
he was already established as the best producer in Australia. Um, you know, and East had cut just yeah, Chisel's magnificent album East had just come out and and Richard was making what was gonna be his, you know, most well received album, um, The Great Escape with with I'm an Island on it. And and so, you know, meeting Mark and then you know, Mark's a real down to earth guy and he's he's a musician. He's a lot he loves guitar. He and I were both insanely mad rugby league supporters and cricket supporters. So um especially rugby leagues. And so um, you know, later in life, after we really bonded over that, I'd I'd, I'd go on tour and I'd take a, a TV, a road case, you know, with a TV set and a video player, and I had a mate at Channel Nine who would send me the, the, the games all over, and we and Mark, you know, we'd sit backstage or sit in my room, watch watch, the, you know, the, the all the rugby league games, and we bonded over that. But but we really bonded over music, and Mark was, would encourage you to to, and he also encouraged Andrew and I to work together because Andrew writes a lot of bass lines like you on keyboard, you know, and, and we, that's where we got that whole melding of, of keyboard and, and real bass together. And, um, for things like, like need you tonight, um, that's, you know, it's Andrew playing the keyboard bass and the, what you think is a fuzz guitar, uh, like a heavy guitar is actually fuzz bass. That's how we work together. And, and you know, we didn't tread each other's toes. We actually knew that, you know, people like Mark, initially and then later Chris Thomas would 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 you know, know how to do it together but Mark Mark was a bit more in- instinctive on on getting getting the bass done right whereas Chris just kind of expected the bass to be done you know so with Chris I I I really worked to get the bass track with the drum track and then I could just say okay it's done yeah because every every guitar player in the world think that they, they're a bass player Whereas, <laughs> you know, so I'd rather get it done than sit there with with you know, three guitar players going. Why don't you try, you know, try this or do that? And it's like, yeah. Well, there's some interesting yeah. footage of you in the early days, uh, and I'm not, we might even be talking about Australian mate here, but you played some keyboards live at some of the time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Tim did too. Been, Tim played in, in Burn for You, and and I, but yeah, I played. You know, before I started getting into. Um, uh, uh, an Aussie bloke called Steve Chick built uh, what's called a MIDI bass, where you could actually trigger a keyboard rig from you know, from a bass. I used to play, you know, what you need, need you tonight, um, and stuff on on keyboards, just you know, just to get the actual sounds we used on record. And then, you know, it was fun, but I ended up really just wanting to play everything on one bass. You know, just yeah. it's just easy, and you know, ultimately, yeah, unless the show's being recorded, most people, yeah, you know, most you know, you know, people out in the audience don't really hear if it's a if it's that actual keyboard sound or it's a, just a big big fat bass sound. They just want to get mm. down as well dance. So you and John, when you're playing live, I guess you know there's often a symmetry between the bass and the drums and things. How does that sort of you know repartee and sort of um, you know union work live? Uh, maybe for our musical fans out there uh, of your music, uh, how did that sort of uh, interplay between the two of you? Well, when you think about it, I mean, we like John was was uh, like a much better drummer when we started playing together, and I was a bass player. So, but we, you know, we we still learnt to play together. Like, yeah, he was, I think, eleven or twelve when we started playing, and I was, you know, still in high school. And we and and everything we did back in the day was kind of this cheesy funk groove thing that we did before it got into more into the, into into rock. And we we grew up, you know, being inspired by bands like Little Feet. And the Allman Brothers, and, and you know, more groove-based bands, and a lot of lot of uh, you know black American bands, like a lot of Motown, a lot of soul, and 
we would put little tricky, you know, groovy rhythm section feels and and off uh, off beats and stuff like this, and really try and make the kick drum and the bass just do have its own little you know little world. And that carried over into everything we did. But we we really got a, a kind of a psychic thing going. Whereas we'd be playing and and we even you know when it first started happening, you look at each other and go, oh wow. <laughs> did that it's like you know we're like kind of joined in the you know mind meld yeah. and then after all it, it, it just becomes second nature and you don't even you don't even look at each other anymore but you know that from people's side stage not watching michael doing his thing they're watching the rhythm session going my god mm-hmm. and it's just a really fun thing to do like just to have that that connection you know and there's not many drummers i play with where i had that connection This is Sheila from Birmingham, Alabama. This is Susan from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hi, this is Maite from Montreal, Canada. This is Suzanne from Los Angeles, California. And that's a wrap. Lucky, huh? Oh my goodness. Very lucky. Very lucky. And it's only uh, look. We, it's only part one. We've got you know, Gary mm-hmm. sitting there back in the green room, ha- having a beer and uh, watching his manly rugby, uh, and he's really excited to come back in for next week and sort of resume yeah. uh, and start talking, particularly about Wembley. We're going to open up with Wembley next week, which uh, I guess was a big moment for Gary and the band. But um, I loved yeah. that I asked the question about how he met Andrew. I, I never knew that story. He, he thought that Andrew was Tim and. Imagine if Tim had turned around and go, you know, I don't like you, mate, because you like we don't get on at school or whatever. And it might well, not life happen. is life is so tenuous mm. isn't it, between how things happen and who you meet and whatever. There, so mm. imagine if I didn't come up to you at the bar at the midst of I go, B, well, B, is it you, B? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I loved the bit of the, about Marco Pitts as well and how they bonded over rugby and 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 just how how gorgeous Mark is that he sat down with him and talked about the base compared to when he was talking to. Um, Oh, Chris Thomas, yes. Yeah, and Chris yeah. Thomas, you know, he just sort of like let him get on with it. And then Mark yeah. Opitz sat down with him. I, and yeah. It's just the different styles of doing it, I suppose, isn't it? That's right. That's right. Now, fan engagement, B, uh, any people you would like to mention? I, I've literally, while this podcast has been going on, I'm going to do a quick little shout out to, mm. uh, to, to, to Richard Simpkin, uh, oh, who's okay. been engaging a little bit today. And we've had a bit of back and forth. He took this beautiful photo yesterday of Sydney oh. and it looked like the Blue Sky Mining album cover. Mm. Yeah, uh, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've had a bit of a back and forth with Rachel Hopcraft, who's one of our regular uh, mm-hmm. listeners and things. And um, she was asking a little bit about which song were I relating that film clip to which was Kiss the Dirt so hello Rachel Rachel mm-hmm. nice to see you and uh, hello Foxy she's come out of the woodwork and said hello to us on her mm-hmm. thing today so hello Foxy nice to hear from you too but okay. uh, over to you B. yeah um, like to say hello to Adam hi Adam he bought um, a guitar pick off us this week and there was a new guy that I've been speaking to called Reese. hi yeah. hi mate you are pretty cool he plays guitar as well um, there I'd like to say hello to my mate Kev who's on the road I'd like to say hello to Adam and also to who else was there Stephen and also want to give a big love to our gorgeous David Gaunt yes yes I've got something there coming up for him in a moment but uh, oh, absolutely good Mm-hmm. Um, now, B, just quickly, with the raffles and things like that, is any updates for that there? 
Okay, so it's already it's all going. The tickets being yes. sold. Not many, so don't worry, don't panic too much. Um, you could probably have seen that we've put it into the newsletter. I hope you've all subscribed to the newsletter. There is yes. something going out onto the the um, Facebook, uh, well, onto the um, socials for you to easily um, subscribe to that, and you'll you'll find out all the tidbits that go on um, behind the scenes and what happens. So, and, and so let me articulate but, what it actually is. We have Michael's book, don't we? Life in pictures, not his book, but Richard Simpkins' book about Michael, Life in Pictures. Mm-hmm. And we had a bidder who decided not to pay. Yes. So we thought, why not? Let's, you know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise. So we thought we'll create a raffle on the book, Michael in Pictures, and the first 50 uh, purchases will go into a, a raffle hat, uh, which be uh, has a few raffle hats in her uh, den, her in excess den. Uh, and we will uh, auction off the, well, not auction off, we'll raffle off the winner of the Michael uh, Life in Pictures book. Have I explained it right, please? I think it's $20 a ticket. So, right? yes, $20 a ticket. It's easy. You just go onto our website, and just um, click the link. It just says buy ticket. Yeah. Click on that and you can pay by PayPal or via the um, yeah. whatever you want. Put your credit card in and then your name will come to me. We'll put it into the hat and Hayden and I will do a live draw once all the tickets have been sold. So yes. how long that will take, we don't know. Um, and yeah. like Hayden has said before, you can buy as many tickets as you like. It's limited. To 50 people to get involved and uh you know we, we this book is a, a fantastic book we're very thankful richard and, and our secret donor also who donated the book to us uh it's wonderfully shot you know it's it's oh. a credit to richard and his artwork and hundreds and hundreds of pictures in it yeah it's absolutely it's uh it's 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 definitive book of michael and the pictures are fantastic bono was given an addition uh by richard outside on his last tour so b's leaning over into in excess oh. den yeah, packaging and postings paid with the $20 and it's like, yeah. you know, 100 yeah. kilos. I tell you yeah. what, I came across, which I didn't know, and it's only because I took a photo today from, from the book to put onto yeah. the ticket. It's actually, and it makes me think of Michael straight away. Can you see this? So I've taken the cover off. It's actually like crocodile leather. Yeah. We might have to do a little video. We might have to do another Can little video that? on this. Yeah. Isn't Fantastic. that stunning? Yes, absolutely. <gasps> wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So, yeah, there's just yeah. pictures everywhere. There's even inside cover pictures. Wow. Lucky people that are going to get this. Yeah. I might have to get my husband to buy a few tickets. That's Absolutely. Now, B, uh, we're going to just, like, just finish off the podcast with a little bit of a tribute song today. And it, look, it is on a slightly sombre note. Uh, a great friend of our podcast and somebody who has been there from the start with us, and we're trying to encourage his um, uh, you know program with Collector's Site with uh, Pedro, and that is David Gorn, who you know very, very sadly lost his mum throughout the week. And uh, I'm not sure of the specifics around that, but at the end of the day, you know, when you lose a parent and a loved one, uh, it's always particularly difficult. And uh, needless to say, this time of year, we seem to be having too much of this go on uh, versus, uh, you know, I guess, you know, the opposite, and that is good health. But uh, we would like to sort of end the show a little bit as, uh, uh, with a tribute song. And I tried to had to find a way I could angle it in for, for, for David, and I, I love it a little bit of a challenge. So I thought the word, you know, Pedro was hard for me to find a song, and the right. word David and Gaunt was hard to find a song. Right. But the word the word collectors uh, was something yeah. I, I, I did a little bit of a 
sort of a deep dive on. I thought, well, because that's famous- what his page is called. Yes, correct. There's a famous band of Australia called Hunters and Collectors who had a little bit of success in Europe and America, but they're more of a, an Aussie sort of an icon band. And um, uh, so much so, though, they their, their most famous song uh, has been covered by uh, people like Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam and, and many others around Australia. And the exciting thing about this particular track is that uh, in Perth, maybe about or well, maybe 10, 12 years ago, uh, it just so happened that Eddie Vedder through Pearl Jam was playing uh, this song live uh, in front of a massive stadium in Perth. And he got Mark Seymour from Hunters and Collectors up to play it with him. And they only met earlier that day. So Eddie knew the song, loved the song, and he's like, I only met this gentleman who wrote the song earlier that day. Uh, and he got Mark up to play, I think, acoustic guitar with Eddie, and they sung a duet of uh, a, a very famous Australian, Australian song called Throw Your Arms Around Me. Yes. And we thought that this would be a beautiful live version in Perth between Eddie and Mark. Uh, it's a bit of a tribute to, to David, his family, his loved ones, and more importantly, his dearly departed mum. So it's a heartfelt goodbye from me. Thinking of you, David, you take care, and it's a goodbye from me.
Dutchy, and you've been listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. Thank you.